But anyway, hey, we got a lot of ground to cover. I already opened this up in prayer. And once again, we are in that exciting topic, world religions, cults, and the occult. Now, as you turn to our exciting page, Lesson 2, Judaism, how many of you guys realize that we made it out of the introduction? Are you still in that fog? <laughs> right? No, we actually made it out of there. We're actually in the Judaism, our next topic. Uh, but I don't know if you guys realize this. As you turn there, uh, folks, uh, you are looking at probably one of the most dangerous situations. Listen to this. One of the most dangerous situations. You've probably been in, whether you realize or not, in a long time. You are looking at a pastor getting ready to do a Bible study who has no watch on. Yeah, see, it's serious, isn't it? So, Reed, if you could do me a favor, we got about, no? Robert, could you, <laughs> we get a 25 after, could you do some hand signals or something? I'll have to close it down. I have no idea. Uh, no, it's okay, just do me the, the hand sign, right? See, plus that's a good thing. It's called the scapegoat uh, thing, because if we go over... <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. But anyway, how you guys doing? All right, world religion, cults, and the alcohol. Boy, we got a lot of ground to cover. Now, the Jewish people, we already made through the introduction. The Jewish people we saw in our study on the history of Judaism, we saw they're important to understand. Certainly when you understand what the Bible's all about. And that's when we had our manly man timeline journey. Remember that? And went all the way through the whole history, figured out the whole universe, uh, according to the Bible, uh, in one fell swoop there. Why the Jewish people? Well, God's uh, uh, finishing up. His promise way back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve blew it, Genesis 3.15. And that's the people he chose, okay, out of the whole planet to fulfill that promise. And, of course, that's the first coming of Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay, and that's what we saw there. It's also to help us to understand that there's a difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, okay, uh, as we saw there. And that's why we don't have this sacrificial uh, priesthood and we don't sacrifice animals. We don't uh, build a temple and go through all the labor of cleansing and the burnt altar of sacrifice and all that kind of stuff because Jesus fulfilled all that, okay? But what we did leave off with last time is the Jewish people are also not only important in understanding uh, God's timeline, what the whole Bible is really all about, okay? Uh, but also, and Jesus' first coming, but also his second coming, okay? You need to pay attention to the Jewish people. And that's where we left off last time. And we only got just a little ways. And God gave uh, people, us, in the Bible, Old and New Testament, how do you know it's getting close? God never gives us the exact day nor the hour, but he tells us seasons. How do you know it's getting close? And one of the biggest signs is not just earthquakes and famines and wars, and good thing there's no wars going on. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Wars and pestilence, all that kind of stuff. But uh, he also said, and the scripture talks about the Jewish people, okay? If you want to know we're getting close, you better pay attention to the Jewish people and certainly Jerusalem, okay? And that's what we saw last time. We saw that, how do you know you're getting close to the return of Jesus Christ? Well, you'd see the wonder of wonders, the Jewish people return to the land. Did that happen? Yeah, in fact, in the exact order. They become a nation again. Did that happen? Yeah, 1948. Uh, they become a nation in one day exactly how it went down 4 p.m i believe exactly they become a united nation okay again their currency would specifically go back to the shekel it used to be the british pound got changed 1980 i believe into that and we left off with they would blossom as a rose in the desert the complete come utter wasteland that it used to be not anymore it's the breadbasket of the middle east and the desert with waters being diverted to that has blossom and flowers they're a major exporter of flowers the former desert gee it's almost like we're getting close. Now, hopefully we can get to a couple more uh, uh, tonight uh, with that aspect. And how do we know that we're getting close, uh, paying attention to the Jewish people? Now, the seventh one is they're going to have not just a military, but they're going to have a powerful military. And I mean a major mega uh, military. In fact, let me, let me just translate the phrase for you as we're going to see with the scripture. Don't mess 
with Israel. How many times do people get this wrong? Are you kidding me? And this is what the scripture says, Zechariah chapter 12, verse 6. Now we're going to see another aspect of this as well, but I'm just going to give you this piece. On that day, I will make the leaders, God says in Zechariah, the leaders of Judah like a fire pot in a wood pile. Now, how many guys realize that uh, if you had some big old flaming thing going on and, and uh, you uh, uh, decided to uh, put that in the middle of a, a pile of wood, what would happen? catch on fire, right? And he says that. I'm not only going to make them like that, but I'm also going to give you another analogy, like a flaming torch among sheaves. Let me break that down for you. Robert and I, we grew up in Kansas, right? Wheat fields, corn fields. If you went out into a wheat field ready for harvest, dry, crispy as a bone, and I'm running through there, I took a shortcut. They, they hired me, can you believe this, as one of the people to carry the Olympian torch. And I'm running through the fields. I had to beef it up a little. I'm running through the fields, right, with this giant torch through this crispy wheat field. What's going to happen? Right? And they'll probably take me to jail. But anyway, but that's what would happen, okay? And that's what he's using this analogy. I'm going to make Judah like what? Like a fire pot and wood pile. Okay, like a flaming torch among sheaves. Right? They will consume right and left all the surrounding peoples, but Jerusalem will remain intact in her place, right? In other words, don't mess with Jerusalem. You come against her, you're going to be consumed. Right? This is what God's talking about. Now, what's amazing, this is the way it's been pretty much ever since they came back as a nation. Okay, in fact, let me give you a little history. Outnumbered and against all odds, Israeli forces have astounded the world uh, by their victories over and over and over and over again. In fact, the odds are always, it seems to be, completely against them. Let me give you the example. Uh, Within hours, okay, of Israel's declaration of independence in 1948. I mean, you didn't even have time to go, let's go get some pizza and ice cream. Hours, listen, Egypt, Syria, is that in the news? See, uh, Jordan, Iraq, Lebanon, all invaded Israel. Now, at that time, the combined population of those countries was about 20 million people, right? Within hours, hey, we're a nation, yay, here comes these people, right? Now, Israel at that time was less than 1 million. So you got 20 to 1 odds, okay? But obviously, if you know the history, when all was said and done, the Jewish people not only won the war, uh, but they expanded the size of Israel by 50%, okay? 50%. In fact, I remember uh, Dr. Mount Couch, who I sat under in, uh, at seminary, he was actually over there because uh, he, before he got into teaching at uh, Moody and, and Dallas and starting Tyndall, where I went to seminary, uh, he was into Christian film. And uh, so he was actually filming over there. And uh, he would tell a story, I remember in lectures, uh, and, uh, uh, of how that they, he said it wasn't just these people were winning. He says, as a born-again Christian over there filming these events, he said it was supernatural. And he would just share one experience. He said, I thought for sure we were dead. He says, we were behind this big old sand dune. And I, he said, I only had a couple soldiers there with me. We looked over the hill. And there was a bunch of tanks. We're done. And here they are coming at us. He said, so basically, they just went back over the hill and just waiting for the inevitable. And the next thing you know, they look up, they go again. They're destroyed. He said, it, and it happened again and again and again and again. Something, it was almost like God had their back or something. And, uh, but he was over there, but he'd always tell some great stories, okay? Now, Israel today is one of the most powerful military forces in the world with full nuclear capabilities. In fact, they are the strongest military in that region, hands down. Now, again, what was, what's the scripture? Don't mess with Israel, because God's going to make these people, you try to come against them. He's not done with them. That's what we've been seeing in our studies. He's not done with them, right? You mess with them. They're going to consume you right and left, man, just like a torch going through a wheat field. Right? Don't do it. Right? Now, I want to share with you just how powerful of a military they are. And I've just got these uh, 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 stats today. This is from the Global Firepower. 
uh, uh, site there. And this is not taking into account the nuclear capabilities. I'll get to that in just a second. But listen to just how powerful uh, Israel is. Of course, now the most powerful one, uh, according to this stat, is the United States of America. Okay, it's the most powerful military force on the planet. Number two is Russia. Number three is China. But get this, this is out of 126 countries on this global firepower list, right? So we're number one, Russia, then China. Number 11 out of 126 is Israel. Now Israel beat, I looked at this, they beat Australia, they beat Canada, they even beat North Korea. North Korea, everybody, oh, watch out for North Korea. They're 36 on the list. Israel is 11. Now, this isn't counting the nukes. Again, I'll get to that in just a second. Now, what I found doubly wild about that is because this is little Israel. So I looked up and I said, okay, let's see the, let's see the area size. So Israel has just over 8,000 square miles. 8,000 square miles, 8,019. Now, to give you a, an estimate of how big that is, really small, is that's smaller than the state of New Jersey. New Jersey has 8,700. Uh, 8, then I did some math because I remember back when I was in Bible college, Okay, they always used to say you could fit 17 Israels in the state of California. So now I'm doing the math because they keep giving up land, unfortunately. Now, according to this, you can fit 20 and a half Israels in California. That's how small it is. Now, combine that with, and I looked up the United States of America. America has 3.8 million square miles. Russia has 6.6 million square miles. China has 3.7 million square miles, and they're one, two, and three. And here is little bitty Israel, 8,000, not million, 8,000 square miles, 20 and a half of them could fit in California, and yet you're the 11th most powerful military in the whole world. What did God say? Don't mess with Israel. You come against them, you're going to get uh, consumed. In fact, when you take a look at uh, their population, they got just under about 8 million people, uh, those who are available for manpower is three and a half million. Right now, fit for service is about three million. So a lot of their population is ready to go and fight. And of course, if you know what's going on over there, of course, because what's not being reported over here in the media is they, uh, the Palestinians and the Muslim countries, every day they announce we're going to come and annihilate Israel. That's what's going on, right? If you go look, and you can find the actual news broadcast where they're doing this, but they refuse to show them here in the United States. Now, uh, the 13 countries in the Middle East, okay, you got Israel, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Syria, United Arab Emirates, Jordan, Oman, Kuwait, Qatar, Yemen, Bahrain, uh, Lebanon, and Iraq. Guess who's number one? Israel is number one at the top. So they are the number one big dog in their their, uh, certain area, but number 11 on the world, yet you could fit 20 of them in California. Isn't that wild? Wild, okay. Now, then I said, well, what about the nukes? Right, what about the nukes? And this is, this is really wild. So Israel not only has nukes, but listen to this, okay? Uh, Israel, or United States, has a total of uh, deployed warheads, nuclear capabilities, and other warheads, totaling together about 7,300. And of course, this is just what's being reported. Uh, Russia is reported to have about 8,000, so a little bit more uh, than us. The UK, England, Britain, has 225. Uh, France has 300. Uh, China uh, has 250, according to this report. This is 2014, January. Uh, then uh, India has 90 to 110. Pakistan has 100 to 120. Uh, and then Israel, this is wild. Because the other ones, all the research lists when they had their first nuclear test, like the US 1945, Russia 1949, the UK 1952, etc. Israel, all they have is dot, dot. Nobody knows. 
they're very, very secretive about their technology, and you can see why. They're fighting for their lives, right? And so they don't really know, but listen to what they, they estimate that Israel has full-blown nuclear capabilities. They say anywhere from 80 to 400. Now, so add that to the list. See, this is what makes it so absolutely wild. Okay, with here, this is Israel. 20 of them in California, right? 20 plus. If you take that higher number, they are, of nuclear capabilities on the whole planet, number three on the list. Just behind us and Russia. Can you believe that? Right? These people are fighting for their lives. Now, when you take a look at the nuclear capabilities, this is very interesting. If you continue to read in Zechariah, he mentions what's going to happen to these people who come against Israel. And it ain't going to be pretty. But listen to this description, Zechariah 14, 12. This is the plague with which the Lord will strike the nations who fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they're still standing on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot in their mouths. Now, some people say, well, this might just be some sovereign act where God does like the Indiana Jones things. Don't look in the ark. Oh! And the guy's face melts off. Could be, could be, right? Uh, I think the obvious lesson is this. I don't want to be there to find out, right? Okay, it could be some biological warfare thing, whatever. Or with modern technology, I don't know. Who's got the third most nukes on the planet? Kind of sounds like it, doesn't it? Isn't that wild how all that fits together? But the point is, Israel in the last days is going to have a massive, massive mega military that you ain't going to believe and you don't want to mess with. I don't even have time to go into the... Uh, their uh, forces, the IDF, and what, uh, I mean, they just, most well-trained soldiers, I think, on the planet. But anyway, but again, they, they have a different impetus. They're fighting for their lives, right? And again, we don't get the real news of what's going on over there because of our unfortunate liberal media, right? We get the three sewer lines, ABC, NBC, and CBS, but let's move on. Uh, we get the managed news, okay? Now, also, this is leading to another aspect that I believe is also working to this military aspect, and that is certainly the Gog and Magog war, okay? Now, this is the war. There's two different camps. They believe that this war is going to take place just prior to the seven-year tribulation. That's where I fall, personally. There's some that say that it takes place afterwards. I don't necessarily buy into that. So I kind of lean more towards the camp. This is going to be a war you're going to see prior to the seven-year tribulation. So when you see signs of this war getting close, okay, the seven-year tribulation's got to be getting close, which means the rapture happens before that. So that means the rapture's got to be getting close, right? That's your, we don't know the day or the hour, but that's the logical uh, conclusion uh, that we see there. But let me read to you what's going to happen in the last days. Now, this was written by Ezekiel. I think it's like 571, something like BC, whatever. So you're getting pretty close to 2,600 years ago. Ezekiel said, this is a sign, you know, you're going to be getting towards the end of the age. Now, here's what he says. This is Ezekiel 38, 1 through 6. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog. So there's this ruler named Gog, right? He lives in this land called Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, prophesy against him and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. I'm going to turn you around. I'm going to put hooks in your jaws. I'm going to bring you out with your whole army, your horses, your horsemen fully armed with a great horde, with a large uh, and small shields, all of them brandishing their swords. Persia, Cush, Put will be with them all with shields, helmets. Also, Gomer will be with its, all its troops and Beth Togorma from the far north with all its troops, the many nations against you. If you go down into the chapter, read the whole thing because it's really just, a, I read just a teaser of really what's going on in 38, 39. 38 and 39 kind of sets up the battle for you. Who's involved in this? 39 talks about what God's gonna do. If you get down further into 38, it gets more specific about this. Who's this Magog, whatever. And it talks about this entity from the far north. 
okay? So it's what you got going on there, okay? That seems to be working with all these other little sub-countries uh, that he mentions there. Now, the point is, uh, how do you know that we're getting close to this Gog and Magog war, okay, is you have to do your homework, okay? Because how many guys uh, lately went, on, uh, went to uh, visit and uh, uh, went on vacation to Beth de Gorma? I mean, that place is awesome. That beats LA any day of the week. Yeah, who, who knows what that is, right? How many guys have ever vacationed in put? Don't go there because once you're there, you stay. <laughs> let's close in prayer. No, let's move on. I got a lot to go. I, I couldn't wait all day to say that, Reed. <laughs> but anyway, so that's right. But right, so, so, so those are actual countries. But the problem is, guess what happens? Even in our lifetime, countries get taken over. They get changed. The names change, right? So how do you know? So let's decipher. Let's do our geographical history tonight. And let me tell you what those countries are on the map today. Now, most people believe that this Magog Okay, this far country from the north, it's got a lot of power who's equipping these other nations surrounding Israel, okay, is none other than guess who? Russia. And I kind of lean towards that uh, myself as well. Now, but let's decipher who's what's Beth Thogramma put and whatever. So here's the modern names of these nations who would come against Israel. This is how you know you're getting close. Russia, Magog, Turkey, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iran, Ethiopia, Somalia, Sudan, Libya, Syria, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and Lebanon are all going to come against Israel when you're in the last days. What does that sound like? Sounds like everything we see on the news right now. This was written about 2,600 years ago, okay, that you need to pay attention, okay? But again, uh, the judgment on these people is just going to be absolutely uh, horrific. Let me just read to you that. I mean, you're talking again, Israel, we just saw uh, currently, now when they first started, it was less than a million, but they're getting closer now to about 8 million people, okay, is Israel's population. Now, you add up the populations of these surrounding countries that I just named that's all in the news coming against Israel, and by the way, the, they are what, with the exception of Russia, what are they? These are Muslim countries, okay, and what do they, they vow to do? We want to annihilate Israel, so, which is really weird because you need that kind of a mindset in order to fulfill this prophecy, because these people want to come and deliberately, uh, Ezekiel says, to annihilate Israel. That's what they want. They say it on the news all the time. Again, we don't hear that, but that's what they say. And then you got this entity. So you got basically the Muslim, and you're talking hundreds of millions of people. So now you got some serious, not good odds. But when you read through that, uh, God is going to completely annihilate them. In fact, and, and that's where you get into 39, and it says, God says, uh, what he's going to do, he says, um, uh, I, he says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. On the mountains of Israel, you will fall. You and all your troops and nations with you. I'm going to give you as food to all kinds of carrion birds and wild animals. You will fall in the open field, for I have spoken, declares the sovereign Lord. Those who live in the towns of Israel will go out and use weapons for fuel and burn them up. The small and large shields and bows and arrows and war clubs and spears. For seven years, they will use them for fuel they will not need to gather wood from the fields or cut it from force because they will use the weapons for fuel. Isn't that wild? That's how many corpses there are. That's how many armies and weapons that are coming against Israel, they lose dramatically. You're a bunch of corpses all over the place. And they go up and they pick up your weapons and use them for fuel for seven years. Now that's a massive army. And if you add up again the statistical populations of all those countries right now today, Folks, all that could very well come to pass real soon. And if, again, that takes place uh, prior to the seven-year tribulation, we don't know the day nor the hour, but then what's going to happen after that? Is the rapture happens after? I mean, it's something. It's getting close. You guys want to try it again tonight? Rapture practice? 
Okay, it's in the news. Now, I got to look into so because this is, uh, you got this conglomeration of countries, basically Muslim countries now, who have vowed to destroy Israel. Ezekiel talks about 2,600 years ago. Okay, but it talks about, I want to focus a little bit now on Russia. Is this really coming to pass? Is, if they're really Magog, this, this entity from the north, who's working and basically fueling, helping these countries to help them and cooperating them uh, with them to work uh, against Israel. Well, uh, begins to look at the uh, research there. The world's largest arms exporters, right? So who's supporting these countries? Uh, number one is us, U.S., okay? Uh, number two is Russia, is the world's largest uh, arms exporter. Now, what's interesting is we might sell to more countries, but Russia sells more uh, uh, amount of dollars. We sold annually, apparently, according to these statistics, 26.9 billion were sold annually. Russia sold 29.7 billion, right? Now, and then, of course, Israel is number seven on the list. So, again, that was kind of interesting. But then I said, okay, well, who's selling to who? So I looked that up today. Now, listen to this. I'm going to read to you. Here are the countries that Russia sells arms to. Uh, China, Syria, Sudan, Libya, Iran, United Arab Emirates, Afghanistan, Egypt, Iraq, Pakistan, and Jordan. Does that sound familiar? Isn't that absolutely wild? You're seeing this major mega power from the north working with these nations who have vowed to destroy Israel. The names have changed, but if you do your homework, it's all the stuff we're seeing in the news right now, including what's going on uh, with Syria. But again, what's the lesson? Don't mess with Israel because you're not going to win. Okay, now add to this, okay, the next one is now, and I think this kind of couples together, is Israel is going to become a conflict, okay, in the whole world, okay? And again, you think, this is crazy. It's just, you get a little teeny tiny piece of real estate. The whole world's going to be uh, concerned about you. What do you see in the news? We, we're numb to it. And this is in Zechariah, a little bit forward, uh, two and three. I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding peoples reeling. Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem on that day when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her. So what's that tell you right there? I'm not done yet. At one point, not even the United States is apparently going to support Israel. Uh, you don't see things going on with the current administration? Did anybody see? I've got this saved for Lord willing, the final countdown update part two uh, study. Got the actual video clip of the UN of uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, and he challenged the UN, says, listen, we are being attacked, and nobody, no country in the world, I don't know if you see this, was at, it's like, whoa, this is Zechariah. You guys aren't doing anything. Why? And there was absolute silence. Isn't that wild? All the nations are going to turn against uh, Israel. I will make, though, Jerusalem, God says, an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move it will injure themselves. What's the translation? Once again, don't mess with Israel. <laughs> How many times are you going to get burned? Okay, and this is what's interesting is, again, ever since they became a nation in 1948, uh, the very next day, okay, within hours, right, uh, Israel, uh, they declared war on Israel, and it has never stopped. And I think what's fueling this, because again, what's the context? You're going to become a global conflict, right? And I think certainly uh, there's some reasons why, and I want to break those down for you if I got time. How, how are we doing, Robert? Doing all right? Okay. Uh, uh, break this down. Why are there such a world uh, global conflict? Well, number one is certainly, I think it's a, a strategic place, okay? Because anybody, and I think that's part of what Russia is doing right now with Syria, is because they're getting a foothold where you want to have a foothold, 
You want to have an excuse to have a presence in the Middle East, right? So I think Israel just happens to be located in a strategic place in the world that countries, and it's going to create a conflict because everybody's wanting there. And, and have you noticed that it's very strange? You got, you got Russia, you got France, and you got United States right now bombing Syria in the same kind of strange, but you got conflict going on there, but it's a strategic location for what's going on in the world. Part of the reason why it's a strategic location is because you got resources, and one of the biggest resources that we just happen to be dependent upon is what? Oil, which is very interesting, because we all know that uh, Abraham, when he uh, went from the Ur of the Chaldees, he drove a, you know, a car all the way there, and he was dependent on oil way back then. And, no, but we do know, you know this is coming, Reed. You do know that the Hondas, uh, that the, the, the uh, disciples, they drove a, an Accord, a Honda. They were all in one Accord. It was, cr- it was packed, but they, they made it there. It, it, the drums, help me out, will you? But anyway, so, <laughs> anyway, so oil, which is why, if you think about it, how long has it really been since we have become dependent upon this substance called oil, which just happens to be in the dirt over there? Think about that. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? That's in our lifetime. That's kind of a spillover with the modern transportation and technology that Daniel talks about. Daniel chapter 12 in the last days. People will be traveling to and fro and here and there and like never before. And we're certainly doing that. But of all entities, of all things, right, is oil. Now, what's interesting, I don't know if you've been paying attention behind the scenes with what's been going on with Syria, right? And certainly now we're consumed with what's going on with France and all that kind of stuff, and rightly so. Okay, but with Syria, there's something very interesting that's going on. Why is all of a sudden everybody wanting to bomb uh, Syria. But listen to this. Guess what was discovered recently in October, the middle of October, over in Israel on the Golan Heights? Oil. Really big deposit of oil. Massive. Listen to this. For decades, Israel has been searching for oil in its own lands with the hope of gaining energy independence, right? Because everybody's wanting over there. They're wanting to annihilate Israel. So they got to basically learn to be and try to be self-contained because they can't trust anybody. Unfortunately, now even the United States right? And so they're trying to be independent. So that's what they've been wanting. Now, recent reports from Genie, that's the name of the U.S. oil exploration company, suggest that oil has been found in Israel, lots of it. The oil is actually located in the Golan Heights, which was taken by Israel from Syria in the 1967 war. But the ownership of that area is still contested. However, given the current war in Syria, the massive chaos there, Syria would certainly be less likely to challenge Israel's oil claim with meaningful force, obviously, because they're getting their country attacked. Uh, and so the p- person questions, uh, poses this question, is the Syrian war escalation a part in effort to pave the way for Israeli oil so that they could become, you know, because if they grab a hold of this, they're saying that they can become a major uh, exporter. Uh, if the initial celebratory announcements about how much oil there is underground in Golan are correct, Israel could be looking at a long-sought massive upswing and its domestic energy capability. Uh, Genie, the U.S. company that's doing the drilling exploration in Golan, has some very interesting characters on their advisory board. This was wild. Rupert Murdoch. Jacob Rothschild. XCI director James Woolsey. Dick Cheney. Lawrence Summers, who was the former president of Harvard, the former secretary treasurer under Bill Clinton, and the director of the National Economic Council under Obama. And Bill Richardson, former Secretary of Energy under Bill Clinton. So these guys get to, what? I guess you work and you get kudos. Anyway, another report says this. He says, Israel, this is, what, this is their theory, 
right? And they say Israel is taking advantage of the chaos in Syria to expand its settlements in the Golan Heights. Israel hopes to quintuple the size of its settlements over the next five years by adding an additional 100,000 settlers in the region. The plan was proposed by Naftali Bennett, a senior Israeli minister and a member of the right-wing Jewish Home Party. Bennett is just one of many Israeli leaders thinking seizing on the chaos in Syria uh, will help solidify Israel's hold on the Golan, which will give them uh, the ability to get that oil. Depending on the size of the oil under Golan, the whole configuration of oil controlled in the Middle East could be affected. That's how big this find is. So this could be a game changer, right? You say, oh, the Arabs are going to hold the... Well, no. Everything might just radically change. Who's going to have the oil now? Who's going to have the biggest part? Israel's apparent long-term plan to uh, um, in, in, uh, weaken, they say, and disable nations in the Middle East, including Syria, could certainly raise the price of oil from that region, making it cost-effective to bring up all the oil now under the Golan, however many barrels that tends to be. So basically what they're saying, I'm not, I don't know that necessarily is true, but what they're saying is it's just kind of an interesting quinky-dink. You find oil there. October 15th, this article was written. Next thing you know, Syria is under attack. Uh, who was the one who had the whatever? And it doesn't look good for Israel, whatever. But here's my point in, in bringing that up. I'm not like anti-Israel. You know that. That's creating a what? What's the Bible saying? In the last days, this little piece of real estate, man, what's it going to be? Not just a conflict in the area for the whole world. The whole world is dependent on this substance, right? And all that whole area is just lighting up like a tinderbox, right? Very, very interesting. So I think that's part of why Israel is going to be, in fact, what the Bible says. I think it's a strategic area. I think we just happen to be in our generation with modern technology. There just happens to be a substance, which God obviously knew the whole time, was going to be under there, and that's going to add to the conflict as well. But I think the other thing that's also going on there is the religious aspect, Okay, it just so happens in that area over there, you have three of the world's largest religions that have, believe it or not, headquarters over there in that area, and certainly in Jerusalem. Have you ever thought about that? Right? You got Judaism, of course. Where's the, what's the Dome of the Rock? Muslim, Islam, right? And then you got, you know, this supposed Christian presence. I say supposed because it's like a Catholic presence. And I'm sorry, as we're going to see, Roman Catholicism. Well, hi, how you doing? Okay, now that's 10 minutes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like you too. So, but, anyway. <laughs> but we have a, it's not biblical Christianity, okay? Uh, but but you have the three major, if you will, religions on the planet. But of all, in a little, not only just in a little teeny tiny piece of, of real estate headquarters there, but again, and uh, and twenty of them fit in California, but specifically in this little area of the little piece of tiny real estate called Jerusalem, all right? And again, as we saw before, Jerusalem basically is, if you will, the center of the earth from God's point of view, right? And this is where Jesus came the first time. He's going to come the second time. This is where he's crucified. This is where he's going to rule and reign the millennium. So once again, here you have these people. And to me, it's just like, that's, that's just exactly what Satan would do, right? It's always wanting to counterfeit, always wanting to, this is God's people. This is God's territory. This is God's city. This is where the Jewish people, the temple is. This is David's city. This is where Jesus is going to come back. And then you want to set up some sort of uh, one world global religion thing in Jerusalem. Now, that's what I want to share with you. This, I think, is adding major to the conflict, right? Why this is such a global conflict is because of this religious aspect. Because right now, the Vatican is vying for control with Jerusalem. That's been going on for quite some time behind the scenes. They're always trying to shake these deals and that. In fact, uh, you know, there's several people that are wanting to say, in fact, the Jewish people are, you know, it's kind of like a barter thing. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll do this for you, but you give us some of those articles from the temple we know you have in the Vatican, give them back. 
because we want to build our temple. That's a whole. So there's all kinds of neat things that are going on behind the scenes, if you will. And, but anyway, but what they're wanting to do is, of course, the Vatican is wanting to establish a global religion headquartered in Jerusalem. Now, one of the names that's for this is called the New okay, Jerusalem okay, Project or the New Jerusalem Covenant. Okay? And this is what they plan on doing, okay? these entities. Okay? They, depending on the right set of circumstances, here's, what, here's their plan anyway. I'm not going to say thus saith the Lord, but this is what these entities behind the scenes are planning on doing in this area. Gee whiz, no wonder there's so much conflict. Okay? Uh, they believe that uh, at the right set of circumstances, the Muslim and Jewish areas in Jerusalem will be combined with, quote, Christian to create the New Jerusalem Covenant. All religions will convene to celebrate three religious festivals simultaneously. Okay, it's kind of like you all just combine into this global uh, religion. Now, what's interesting about that is uh, the festivals, let me read them to you. Uh, uh, they plan on this festival of goodwill. I'll get to that in a second. That's a new agey one. Festival of Easter, that would be considered the Christian holiday. And the festival of Wiesach, uh, that's more for the Buddhists and things of that, that nature. Okay, but let's focus on the festival of goodwill. That's also known, and this is kind of my territory that I got saved out of, new age and the occult, uh, World Invocation Day. Okay, it's also another name for festival of goodwill. And let me read that to you. It's a holiday observed by the Arcane School. The Arcane School was established by Alice Bailey, in 1923 as a training school for men and women uh, in meditation techniques and the development of spiritual potential. Uh, the focus of this observance is a prayer written by Bailey known as the Great Invocation. I actually have a copy of that, but I am not going to read it. Uh, which is recited by people at meetings around the world. And what, it's basically a new age thought that if we get enough people around the world praying this prayer, okay, this new agey prayer, that we will usher in a new age a time, that's where you get the term, new age into the planet. And they are sucking people in right and left. Uh, the, and what they're doing is they're promoting, this is what a lot of people don't realize, is behind the scenes is with these global prayer events, global prayer days, and it's all the religions represented. We're all, and then you even got the Pope getting up there saying, we're all praying to the same God. No, you're not. But this is who behind it. And a lot of these people fall in, it's for new age, 1923. By the way, they're still based out of New York. You can check this out, Alice Bailey. They have a business because they're promoting this through the media, media, books and magazines, things of that nature. They have an outfit. Please, you can check it out yourself. I'm not making this up. It's called lucistrust.org, I believe. Okay, now, Lucis Trust, they changed the name because when she first started, uh, it was called the Lucifer Publishing Company. Now, if you know anything about New Age, which I came out of, they think Lucifer is a good guy. And they think he's got a bad rap. Oh, no, five minutes. Uh, they think he's got a bad rap uh, from Christians, right, who said he's a bad guy. But he was, it's kind of like the Mormons. The Mormons teach that, you know, there was this battle between, you know, uh, Jesus wanted to save the planet and, and, and Satan, they who say, is uh, uh, Jesus' spirit brother. What? Okay, and, and that, that, that Satan lost out. <laughs> and they actually make him like a martyr. So I'm like, oh, poor guy, he wanted to help. It's, that's actually kind of new age, right, is what. But let me, let me share with you uh, how that started. This is uh, in 1875. I'm gonna have to just get it quickly. Uh, it actually, new age started with uh, uh, Helena Blavatsky, uh, the Theosophical Society. Okay, and that was in the late 1800s. You got people like uh, Thomas Edison, others that were involved in this stuff. That's a whole other topic. Okay, but in the 20s, this is where Alice Bailey kind of picked up. She had her Lucifer uh, uh, publishing company, and, uh, and she established um, uh, this term, the phrase, that they're working towards a new world order. Okay, and that's what they want, this new age, this new world order to take over the planet. We're all going to combine to one. They also have a symbol, established a symbol uh, uh, for their movement, and that is the rainbow. 
Anybody else using the rainbow? Pervertedly, right? Interesting. Okay, and they have uh, uh, extensive plans for a religious war, forced redistribution of the world's resources. Oh, by the way, is there a religious war going on on the planet right now? Forced uh, redistribution of the world's resources. What do you think is going on with the whole lie of climate change and the Pope going around saying that we have to, you know, distribute in the world's poverty? It's, it's all a, a control grab. And so I'm sorry, the way that you know that, if you, I'm sorry, Mr. Pope, with all due respect, if you really want to uh, alleviate the poverty in the world, which I'm not against, then why don't you melt down that throne you sit on, right? Start there. How much gold do you have? Can we start with yours? No, no, it's always somebody else's money, somebody else's country, and how much money do you have? That's not what it's about, folks. It's sucking people in uh, with that issue. But the forced, uh, forced redistribution of the world's resources, mass planetary initiations, uh, worldwide disarmament, the elimination of obstinate religions. Guess who that is? That's us, okay? And... They even discuss the sacredness of the, their uh, new world leader, which is the Antichrist, but they think he's a good guy, 666. Now, their core beliefs, I don't have time to get into it too much, they believe that all is God, earth, man, and animals, and plants. That's pantheism. That's being pushed through the environmental movement in other areas. They believe that each one of us have the ability to become Christ, Christ consciousness. What did Jesus warn about Matthew 24? Many will come and say, and I am the Christ, and deceive many, don't believe him. Okay, uh, they also say that man is destroying the earth along with the animals and plants, and unless he changes his ways, Mother Earth will be forced to destroy humanity, and Christianity is the biggest culprit in destroying the earth by teaching that man had dominion over the earth when the earth is a living being. Two minutes, are you serious? So, what's that? Help? <laughs> anyway, man, right? Well, excuse me, uh, uh, the Bible does teach that we have dominion over the earth. That doesn't mean we destroy the earth. Nobody's for that. No Christian, yeah, let's pour it. That's not what's going on here. Okay, and basically it's Mother Earth. Okay, God is going to come back and cleanse this planet. It's called the judgment, seven-year tribulation. It's not Mother Earth, it's Father God. Okay, but that's their version of it. And they, they treat the Earth as a living being. I'm sorry, the Earth is a created thing by the Creator. You're turning the Earth into the world's largest idol. Okay, is that. Uh, they believe that there is no such thing as sin, no need to repent and be saved, that Jesus was one of many great teachers like Buddha, Muhammad, and Confucius. I'm sorry, Jesus is alive. The rest of those guys are uh, worm bait. They're dead. Okay, mankind, they say, should seek direction directly from the spirit world, a psychic, a channeler, a palm reader, astrology, angels, space aliens, dead relatives, and meditation. All religions are equal merit, except, guess who? Orthodox Christianity. And I'm not making this up. Here's their goal. In order for the world to be at peace and harmony, not follow Jesus Christ, not wait for the second coming when he initiates it, quote, there must be, um, direct quote, new world order, universal monetary system, world authority on food, health, and water. Is the government taking more control over on our food, health, and water? That's a whole other aspect. Universal tax, a military draft, a one world leader, and here it is a second time, the abolishment of Christianity. I wonder why. Now, if you, unless you think so, let me share with you two quotes, and unfortunately, we're going to have to pick up next week because I just got the throat. <laughs> A New Age letter, a mega letter, I'm, I'm going to quote you. Because you think, are you serious? They really want to annihilate Christians and specifically Christians? Watch this. There is one obstacle to world unity. Christianity. And says that Christianity claims supernatural knowledge and divine revelation and they should not be tolerated. Uh, Gus Hall, uh, he said this about us. He was, by the way, a former leader of the Communist Party in America. He said, I dream of a time when the last congressman is strangled to death on the guts of the last preacher. And since Christians love to sing about the blood, why not give them a little bit of it? 
That's some serious hatred. Now, what's wild is Jesus said in John 16, a time's going to come when anyone killing you is thinking they're, quote, doing a service to God. We need to get rid of those Christians because they're messing up the harmony of the planet. And they're messing up this new age that we want to bring in through these various means. Very interesting. Also, what did Jesus say in Matthew 24? There's a time coming also when the whole world is going to hate you because of me. And that's exactly what these people are promoting. We're going to have to pick this up, Lord willing, next week. But I think you're getting to see with these prophecies, certainly the conflict of the world. Why is there such conflict? Why is Israel on the news every single day? Israel, 20 and a half of them in the state of California, on the whole planet, the whole planet's looking at them, just like the Bible said, because of strategic reasons, certainly the oil, and certainly with this religious thing, and we're not even done yet on that aspect. We'll have to get to that next week. So I'm now getting the fist punch sign, so I guess I'm in, no, I'm just kidding you. Yeah. <laughs> let's close the prayer. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven, and that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay, how many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief. Okay, the Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay, and folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you, that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, 
in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that and it's just as bad. He knows the mind, he knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the 10 commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it, if he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today?
Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.